Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their prime, but they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled! Corn Huskers, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go, Hawks! All right, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button because like we always like to say, how cool would it be to have the number one podcast in Nebraska be about the Hawkeyes. Today we are joined by former Iowa Hawkeye fullback and current co-host of Washed Up Walk-Ons, Drake Kulik. How's it going, man? Uh, I'm doing well, fellas. I'm happy to be here and any opportunity I can get to shit on the university of nebraska their fans <laughs> their entire state uh i'll take that opportunity god i love that this is gonna be this is gonna be a good interview i'm, I'm excited about this yeah we're so, gonna have a little fun fellas i hope your listeners are not um wimps because th- there may be some foul language Hey, that's that's okay. We don't have like a, a PG audience or anything like that. So it's kind of kind of kind of any, anything goes. So um, they they've come. We're gonna uh, have some most, fun. All right, awesome. You know, Drake, you know, Drake, oh, you know, go ahead, you know, Drake. Drake I, I no, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting here, but I just I want to get on that because you know the current players, yourself, the George Kittles, everybody's just kind of got that extra. Did I just get compared with George Kittle? <laughs> well, the hatred of Nebraska. I mean, it's like, you know, okay. to hear you guys just come right out with that. I mean, is that a locker room? I mean, is that the, was that what came out of the locker room or the coaches or, I mean, where does that just the venomous uh, side of that come from? We love it. <laughs> uh, it. It simply comes from how, egotistical and narcissistic the entire university of nebraska is and like they truly truly believe to you know like man no offense but like the mormon people right mormons believe some crazy shit (laughs) and the university of nebraska believes some crazy shit because they really think that they're so relevant off of success of 20 years ago to the point where they can come out and say disrespectful things about other programs like they have earned that that right at all, which they haven't because to be relevant, you have to win more than once every two decades. So, I mean, it's just like when you're that smug of a prick, you just simply need punched in the mouth. And we've punched them in the mouth a lot since I was playing at the Hawks and, and so forth. I, I'm going to have to like, we're, we're going to have to have you on like every month, man. This is freaking <laughs> beautiful. It's like, oh man, you, you got to watch, if you ever get a chance to watch a little bit more of our podcasts, you uh, you fit in pretty damn nicely here. Um, wanted to talk to you about your recruitment process out of high school. Um, looked like y- you and I was on you pretty hot and heavy. Walk mm-hmm. us through your decision-making process, um, what made you eventually become a Hawkeye and what other, what other schools were you really considering? So first of all, I thought I was better than I was. That's what made me first and foremost. Okay. <clears throat> it took getting to Iowa for me to realize how shit I actually was because in high school in Muscatine, not to be uh, stuck up, I was kind of that dude, just like everybody else who goes and plays for the Hawks at their high school. They yep. were that dude, right? And I, I had some like respect from the one double A schools, um, but it came down to the fact that Mark Farley treated me like shit in front of my parents and had disrespected me with his offer, 
right in front of my parents after all the hype that he'd been talking on me, you know, on the phone to, to my dad, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not a person who handles disrespect very well, uh, especially the presence of my family. And uh-huh. I, I, yeah, that, I, that was not going to be my coach. And right after that, I mean, it didn't even take getting back to Muscatine for me to have already decided I was going to Iowa. But then I went on a visit there because they had, I mean, the lowest level of interest you can have. Like I was a walk-on, but they're still semi-interested. And I think yeah. they appreciated that they saw a kid on tape who was really going to be getting after people. And that's just kind of was, was my nature. So they offered me the ability to play for their football team. And I was like, yeah, man, uh, this is really close to home. My parents will be able to be at the games. Like I've always loved the Hawks. Um, the hard decision. There was no sleepless nights. Like some of these kids have, I, yeah. I hated, I hated. Oh, and also who was the shit bag at Iowa state coach? And he got, he got booted out and he's Paul Rhodes. Paul uh, Rhodes. Yeah. That, that shit bird also promised me a lot of stuff in front of my parents and then ghosted me like an 18 a high school girlfriend. Um, and I thought that was one of the most disrespectful things ever. And so I always love pissing on those idiots uh, going all the way back to that, that hatred. But yeah, I mean, I was just always a hawk. I like we were the Iowa program is built on grit and I am grit. Like that's just all I do. I don't have anything special to offer except for grit. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, Drake, guys like you are like the lifeblood of the program, whether it be a walk-on or scholarship player, you know, it's it's guys like you that are going to come in. You have a chip on your shoulder and you feel like, you know, you got something to prove. You're not afraid to hit somebody. You're not afraid to work your ass off and you're not afraid to do those little things. And, you know, it's guys like you that really are the fabric of what Iowa football is all about. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Um there was definitely like there was there was a little bit of difference in the way that the disrespected players carried themselves. Like I would say we had a little less fun because at the beginning because we were really just like absolute nose the grindstone. Mm. And yeah, I I don't know. It it was tough, but it was absolutely worth it. Sure. You know, and, you know, Drake, I mean, how much, you know, like Adam was just saying at all the points, how hard-nosed, how edgy you were, the attitude you took into the game. How, I got to assume it wasn't – take us through, like, your pregame preparation. I mean, you know, and was there a chip, you know, from that walk-on status? I mean, take us through what it took for your Drake Kulik to get ready for a game. And then even maybe take a little bit further. What was that – what was the tunnel walk like? And what, what goes through your head when you're heading out to Kinnick on game day? All right, so what it took for me to get on the field – was three years of truly grinding in the weight room and strength conditioning and earning my respect. Because if I wouldn't have earned the respect of the strength conditioning staff like I did, I wouldn't have had their backing and I needed their backing. Um, I think that they really talked me up to KF and got him to believe in me because I wasn't very good when I got there. Like I was – I, I was better than I think they gave me credit for, but I still wasn't very good. I wasn't ever going to see the field, <clears throat> but I had that backing. So those three years of grind is what got me to be able to even, you know, have have the tunnel walk that you're talking about. But the pregame routine, man, I was a big music guy. I, um, I did like my smelling salts. I had a nice bottle of nose torque that I um, got after a little bit. Um, the equipment manager actually threw my bottle of nose torque away one time after I wrote on the bottle, Kulik 45, don't throw away. And it was in my locker and he threw it away. So I, I didn't really like that very much. But yeah, a lot of music, a little little nose torque, a little banging your head on shit to get yourself ready. Uh, oh, yeah. that's it, man. I, I was, I was a battering ram. I don't know. Like I didn't have to think very much. I just had to run fast and hit hard. Uh, I think a, a one thing that a lot of people don't know about you is that you were multiple, uh, all academic big 10. 
Now, tell us about how you approach things with you know time management with being a, a really successful student and then also putting in that time to be a, a successful Big Ten football player. Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. I had my mic muted. I didn't want to cough on you. That's all right. But I think I give a lot of credit to my parents because like they really instilled education being important. And so there was not really an option of coming home with bad grades. Cause even if the coaches accepted it, like even if I was academically eligible, my, my pops would be like, really, man, like this is the best you can do. My pops is brilliant. Like, like I, I would put my, my old man up against any human on earth, to be honest. Um, he was, he was brilliant. Um, and I think I got some good brains from him. I enjoyed what I was studying. I actually didn't know I was academic all the time. You just told me news that I didn't even know, but yeah, um, two times. Yeah, I I would say that I enjoyed school more than more than most people. I thought what I was studying was was reasonably cool. You got to love a guy that can kick ass in the classroom and on the field and that's that intelligent and likes to call people a shitbird. I mean, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, man, like to be honest, the only thing about me that people don't like is that I'm absolutely brutally honest. I will, I will speak exactly what I think. And a lot of people in this day and age can't handle that. And it's okay. Those people just aren't for me uh, yeah. to each their own. And I'm, I'm always going to be honest to full. That's the funny thing though. Cause that's what most Hawkeye fans like the most about you. And I think, and I'm hoping that society is going to start to flip a little bit here and, you know, we, that's one thing that's gotten you a lot of attention that you guys have gotten is you're so genuine and direct and you don't really care what people think. And that's pretty damn refreshing with all the cancel culture and all the crap going on and the politi politically correct bullcrap. You are very direct and unapologetic about it. I think, you know, you could say that, you know, that's that's, you know, caused a few haters your way. I think it's gained you a lot more supporters. Walk us through. um I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but this is a good segue here. Right to to, to end to end your point right there. I will just yeah. end it with this question: Why die a liar? Uh, yeah. Well, I've already got an image maybe for a reality show because maybe we can take the two Muscatine guys, you and Joe Wee's camp. You've got the tattoos. I love Joe Wee's like camp it so is. much. I love him. And Joe's got the clean cut, crew cut. Maybe you two could like share a loft in Muscatine for a summer. We could film it, you know, and kind of like a kind of like a reality odd. Like a Hawkeye reality show. <laughs> it's funny that uh the Wees Camps and I uh go go way back. Uh my dad was an orthopedic surgeon and he sent his patients to uh Joe's dad, who was the rehabilitation specialist in Muscatine. And so uh my ties with Joe go way back and yeah, we've got a great relationship. I love the kid to death and I'm like, I'm proud of him like a brother would be uh, to see the success. And like, he worked like, like an, an insane person and it paid off. He's, he's one of the best shooters in college basketball history. Like nobody shoots 50%, but Joe Wieskamp did. And uh, God damn, I'm proud of that kid. So we, we wanted to play a little clip here of, I would say one of the one of the, the biggest plays in your career, which ended a drought for us. Uh, we're going to run this through and then uh, talk about it real quick afterwards. Score! They will not play now. They'll see if they can punch it in. All right, so for you guys that are listening on the podcast there, we um, played what what I would call the game-winning touchdown of the Pinstripe Bowl with uh, Drake ramming the ball up the middle. Got it on the second chance there. Got a dang fly flying around in here. And got to say, man, walk us through that play. That was a pretty awesome play. Walk us through um, your mindset on that and, and how hard was it to break through because that Boston College D-line seemed to be pretty tough a lot of that game. So – the biggest shout out goes to Nate Weeding. Um, that was his touchdown. I actually, to this day, feel shame uh, that I scored it and he didn't because he was the one who deserved it. So biggest shout out to Nate Weeding. Um, but as soon as they, as soon as we saw the replay and and he didn't score, I knew what the play call was going to be. I just didn't know. <clears throat> 
who the coach wanted to run. Uh, Brady Ross is also, to be honest, Brady Ross is a better football player than me in every aspect except for maybe just ball handling. Like just with the ball in hand, I may have been a smidge better. But that's the only thing that I might have been better than him at. Um, but I think Brian kind of threw me the bone. It was my last game. Um, he, I feel like he and I had had a pretty good relationship, and um, he kind of had a "you've earned it" mentality towards me. Like you, so I don't know. He, he did a nice thing for me because he believed in me, and that was cool. Um, the last thing that was said to me before I went on the field. Uh, KF said, just hold on to it. He said, you know, don't drop it. And I, I promised him I wouldn't drop it. And here we are. Um, it was hard to get in because the footing was beyond terrible. I know you guys have heard it a million times. I'll just reiterate yeah. it. It was, it was the worst football field that any of us could have ever imagined playing a game on. Um, I didn't really have – I wouldn't have got in without James Butler because I didn't have footing. I was standing there. I, you know, you can't push if you're if – you're, trying to slide down a hill, an icy hill, you can't push yourself back up the hill. And that's what I felt like. But he just came up and smashed me in the back with some momentum, and I needed it. Here we are. We beat him. So, you know, before, that's, go ahead. That, I, I, wanted, no. I wanted to ask you real quick, Drake, before we moved on to the, you know, there had been some, you know, negative things said about Brian Ferentz. And I got to be honest with you, like <laughs> I, my experiences with him have been nothing but positive. He is, seems to be like an extremely classy, kind well-spoken guy and I think he does a hell of a job calling our offense and I just wanted to get your your feedback on what your relationship's been like with him and what it was like playing for Brian yeah man uh Brian Ferentz is like a second father to me um there's few people on earth I really respect more than him uh, can't overstate what he did for me uh, I could I could cry talking about Brian Ferentz and how much uh I care about him so that pretty much says it all who were some of the other coaches, Drake, that had the biggest influence on you while you were there? Um, I really appreciated Phil Parker because of the way he was. And, like, people like Phil are the people I love the most. Um, you're never going to change Phil Parker because he knows exactly what he's doing. And he's a true professional. Um, he's a true leader of men. Uh, really have a ton of respect for Phil. Um, obviously the head coach, but everybody praises the head coach. Uh, I, he, I'll, I'll save the praises on him because they're so heavy. But uh, Coach Wallace and I had a great relationship. He was, he felt more like a friend than a coach, to be honest. Like obviously, I respected everything he said. I, I obeyed his orders. I played really hard for him. I tried to make his punt unit as sound as it could be. So we just had a great relationship. Love that guy. Uh, LeVar Woods, um, another guy that felt a little bit more like a friend than a coach uh, around the building just because of how respectful he was and how, how caring. And, you know, th like the coaching staff is truly genuine. I could probably just go on about the whole staff, but I'll just stop there. That's awesome. You know, one of the one of the other things we really wanted to talk about too was um for um against Nebraska, you went out early in the game with a broken leg. And I don't know that too many players have ever had such an impact uh, in a football game that weren't on the field. And the way that you impacted the fans, like I could have ran through a wall for you on that day, my friend, like I was fired <laughs> up, um, the, you know, going off the field and uh, we're going to play this here real quick. Um, um, a little bit of, you know, we're going to relive the injury here and uh, we're going to talk about that. Play the whole thing, play the whole right. six seconds or whatever, dude. It's a fun video. <laughs> well, they won't let, I, I don't, Jerry, did you get the actual injury on there or? Well, we had, you know, with the phone film clips, um, I didn't get the actual injury because there was like a whole three, four minutes of dead air while they were tending to you on the field. So we've, okay. we've, really, we've got the, really uh, we've got, we, yeah. So go we'll check this out. We're going to check this out real quick. We'll talk for them so far this year. And so there is uh, Drake Kulik. They have placed a splint on uh, his left leg and helping him to the cart. And that's tough to see, and we'll hope the best for the junior out of Muscatine, Iowa. 
And a tough way to start the game for the Hawkeyes for sure. They need that fullback position in their offense. That's an integral part, not from a standpoint of carrying the football, but the blocking that they do sets a tone for the entire team. Good sportsmanship there. I think there's a lot of respect for these two programs from each other. Replays on this uh, a little graphic, so we're not going to show it to you for uh, taste reasons. But certainly the Iowa fans here wishing Kulik well as he heads off the field. Listen to that crowd get jacked up when he's going off the field and then coming back on the sideline, man. This is through how frustrating that might have been. And I read a quote from you that you were like, you know what? I thought a broken leg was going to hurt a lot more than that. Like a typical tough Iowa guy. Just like, you know, that it, it, it didn't hurt that bad. Uh, I'm all so good. Like, Walk us through that a little bit, man. When it happened, dude, it happened in my brain in slow motion. I know – watching the film the guy hit me and it was bam i was bent over backwards but in my head i felt everything that happened in my ankle and i was i was laying folded over very curious like obviously pain and like yo get off my leg it's broke but i was very curious to see what it looked like because i had seen so many people break their legs and i was like well this is my moment <clears throat> i have to see what this looks like from this perspective Excuse me. Pull my leg over and just see that bitch sideways. Uh, and then it was it was frustration because in that exact moment, I saw what my future looked like. Like I knew looking down at my leg how bad this injury was, and injuries of that magnitude take a long time to rehab. And I was just like. I made it four years to, to the end of the season. Like, we were about to be in bowl prep. And I wasn't going to have to do that much bowl prep because I was already having shoulder surgery that next offseason. So they were going to try and save my body a touch so that I could at least show up in, in fucking Gainesville, it felt like. Jeepers, Christ, how many fans for Florida were in the Outback Bowl? It felt like we were in the swamp. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I digress. Yeah, hopping up on the cart, first of all, man, I am still to this day irritated that Ike and Boone weren't willing to help me hop to the sideline because I swore that if they weren't taking me off on a spine board, I was never getting carted off. <clears throat> like, if I can feel my legs, I'm not getting carted off. And they wouldn't help me up, and the trainers would not let me not get on the cart. That was didn't like that very much but uh what was the rest of the question well about that 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 little that quote not little but that quote you had on the sidelines and i, I don't know if you remember it but when you yell or i don't know if you yelled before or when you came back that i didn't break my leg for nothing and that's no, gone down as like go ahead that that was on the cart that happened during the clip right. I, okay okay i slapped george kittle's hand um <clears throat> excuse me i slapped george kittle's hand and he was like dude you're a psycho that's what he said to me look me in the eyes he's like you're a psycho and i pointed at my leg and i was like i did not break my leg for no shit i was like win this game and then cj came over and uh he he you know he gave his condolences slapped me on the hand and i just noticed the the stadium was quiet and i was like nah like listen there's so many more important things happening right now in this stadium than my leg. Like, fuck my leg. Uh, this game needs to be won. Like, Nebraska can eat my nuts. My leg is so not important. Like, let's go, <laughs> man. Let's get it cracking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody notices either, but your uh, tape on your wrist never quit. I don't know if that was just for that game or if that was for each game. But, yeah, you did. They no, hauled you out to the cart. You were still ready myself. to. Yeah, I just sometimes wrote myself stuff like um, I remember we had several seniors out for that game. And so I wrote some of their numbers on my tape just to kind of remember that. 
and like the never quit i think that came from just like the hatred like you you can't you can't stop me i mean they stopped me because they broke my leg but like i was really out for blood and with like the never quit mentality and i think that's probably why i put it on there don't really i didn't remember putting it on there but it is on there so yeah that's uh, phenomenal you know living here in nebraska at the time i mean you know you've had some great highlights but that really stands out to all those hawkeye fans on the side of missouri that was, that like adam said that was just the pump-up moment of that game and i think they uh, i think wadley ran for the touchdown i think on one of the, the next series after that i believe or shortly after that so it's got i know that going. when i when i came back out of the tunnel um was very shortly before riley mccarran scored a long touchdown mm-hmm. and it was at that point where i was like oh man it's really gonna be a party and i was like i'm glad i'm here for this because they tried to make me go to the hospital i'm like listen dog my leg is not getting unbroke from me going yeah. to the hospital or me oh. i'm i'm fucked and i'm going to the sideline because this is like this is what i live for so yeah. Well, I think it's the Nebraska Hawks Nest. I think to help you live, like, to keep your memory in that game, I think we call it the Drake Kulik game from here on because it just snowballed <laughs> for that. Iowa just, they went downhill on the Huskers after that game. And Nebraska was actually, oh, yeah. I believe, ranked in a better record that year. And you guys and then, just steamrolled them after that. Yeah, we smoked them after that point. We got a tight knit group of guys. And I mean, it's not like you can give players more motivation because we're all extremely motivated but seeing one of your best friends one of your brothers uh get seriously hurt and then Uh but me maintain the positive attitude i think they were like oh man like it is on (laughs) yeah they got it on man they did it for me yeah i appreciate it no, you, you fired us up too, but I was like jacked up and I think all the fans were fired up. It was just, you know, it sucks seeing you get hurt. And we we're, you know, pissed about that, but you couldn't have gone out in a better way, man. And so thank you for that. And you really just injected some energy into the team, into the stadium. And uh, that's one of the things that you're going to be remember, remembered for. Um, another that we really wanted to talk about a year later, um, you were able to really, I would say, come back with a bang. Uh, the old uh, Ohio State Buckeyes rolled into town. We're rocking some sweet, what they call the woodshed uniforms now. You were able to catch a touchdown <laughs> in that game. How cool was that? Uh, it was real cool. Um, it, everything about it, like the touchdown, I wouldn't even say was the coolest part of the night. It was a great cherry on top. Like that's exactly what I would have called my touchdown. All right. But like starting the game off 7-0 on the first play of the game, like I guarantee you if you shot me up with ecstasy, it still would not touch what I felt right there. Like that was truly one of the most ha- happiest moments in my life's history. I couldn't believe that that was the way this was going to start. That place was going absolutely banana land. And like to to experience that, it just right after kickoff was so sick. Uh, I had a play, a particularly good play when I cut a defensive end and James Butler was able to cut back for a real long run. Like that made me feel better than the touchdown because that happened at a much more pivotal time in the game. Like mine was a one yard nail in the coffin that could have gotten done with a QB sneak with a dive, you know, any number of things. So it was a great cherry on top. But, like, the real impact plays that I was able to be a part of during the game, those ones felt even better because when that ball started rolling downhill, we just started playing better and better, and it was one of the greatest things to be a part of of all time. A lot of your a lot of your teammate a lot of your teammates told us that um, they felt like at an early part of that game that the Buckeyes quit on that it quit on that game and that they were they felt they played defeated what was the feeling out on the field and you know how did you feel like you know playing against uh, ohio state and did, did you had did you feel that as well i personally didn't feel it until late it was real late there was okay. a, there was obviously a quick moment but i think it was like a the net you are we already stuck them in their heart they were they're bleeding out all over the field 
like the body bags are already on the way to the crime scene. Um, <laughs> but that, that's when you quit. Like that's when Nebraska quits every year too. Like they come out of the tunnel playing the, uh, well, what is it? Uh, Dear Lord, have this day, uh, whatever. Better and better till we can't be beat, won't be beat. And every the stadium, the fake uh, sold out stadium goes wild and they come out of the smoke like they're hyped, right? And they're ready to fight until the fight gets really bloody and then they don't want to fight anymore. That was like the, the Ohio State quit moment. And we were talking the most shit. Me, James Daniels, I don't know if anybody else was, but me and James Daniels were talking the most shit to them. I was calling all of them scrubs. I was like, this one's onions, you pussies. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Is there Who else can we get, Drake? I mean, this this Nebraska hate club, I mean, who else are members of this? Did you guys have meetings during the season? And Who else can we get no, to get some more of these Husker sound bites? Thing, man. Like, so you're saying the team, the team, yeah. Yeah, and it was it was the tro- so like we didn't hate Nebraska when like they came in the Big Ten right they got they got moved into the Big Ten and we were just like okay you know they're another opponent right it's just another opponent and then they decided to put a fake trophy game on it which it's not a fake trophy game. you play for a trophy the game's very important but it's not like uh, the old rusty bucket or the axe or the pig or the bull. Like, it's not like one of those, right? It's the high V trophy game, whatever. It's cool. And it's an important game. And we love beating those idiots. But when they made it the trophy game and their AD was like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if you can call it a rivalry. Like they have to have a little bit of success before you can really call it a rivalry. And, this and, yeah. other, and we, we think we're better than them and we're, we're blue buds and we're Nebraska. Shut the fuck up, idiot. And that's what, that's what we played every year. Like we saw them on the schedule. We knew Friday the, the uh, I about called it Friday the 13th because it was like a murder movie for them. <laughs> uh, but Black Friday – Black Friday, and we knew Black Friday was coming up every every year. We were going to have a good Thanksgiving meal catered by the great folks at Gray's. I love you, Pete and Kim Harmon. Shout out to Gray's Restaurant. Uh, I'll always shout those people out. Those are the greatest human beings on earth. We got a great meal, um, and then we went out and we nuked them, man. It's just it's what we did. No, Jerry and I have um, proposed – a new trophy to be replaced. It's called the Corn Belt, and it's actually a championship trophy with the the Heroes Game logo on it that we have. I might have to run and get it so I can. Well, show shout it to out, you. shout out to the Corn Belt Cowboy Steve Manders. If you're gonna make oh, a yeah. wrestling belt, Definitely. If you're gonna make yes. a wrestling belt, and mm-hmm. it, I mean that's that's the guy to, to talk to right there. Yeah, we want we want to have him on, and he said he's going to come on, but he's been super oh, busy, and we want to get awesome. him that belt yeah. so we can wear it to the ring. Yeah, man, I just watched a video. Somebody sent in the group chat. I don't have Twitter anymore. Somebody sent a Twitter uh, video. Um, Steve Manners getting smashed repeatedly over the head with a steel chair, and oh. I know exactly what that feels like because I got really <laughs> drunk one time at a party at our house. We were playing cornhole, and Josie and Jake Gervas were beating us, and I was real mad. And I started smashing my head with a with a chair. So, uh, Steve, take it easy, pal. Have you ever thought about dipping your toe in the pro wrestling pool? No, I do a lot of jujitsu now. I, I train jujitsu every day. Um, I train with awesome guys. It's a ton of fun. Um, I'll, I'll get into competitive ju- jujitsu at, at some point. Um, but I've got some things lined up in the future. Going to be moving around a little bit, doing some fun things. So, uh, not 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 Steve Manders professional wrestling unless here, here you go. If George Kittle gets into WWE after his football career and he gets extremely popular, he might pull my scrub ass out of the, out of the uh, stands one day to come smack somebody with a chair. Uh, that might be my only appearance. <laughs> so drake taking this on then i mean you've had some great highlights like we've talked about um and going into the washed up walk-ons podcast you know you guys do a great job listen to you regularly you guys just replayed one recently uh, about life after football and the struggles you went through when you left and i don't want to steal any thunder i would uh, invite anybody to go out and check out that episode as well as the sean welsh episode as well those were both really yes good. Kind of, kind of talk to, or the or the Brand Bishop episode. That one was great too. 
but kind of take us through life. You know, what was that struggle like when you left football? I mean, that's a big part of your identity when you leave, you know, and you're adjusting to life afterward. And, you know, kind of touch on that a little bit for us. And like yeah. I said, kind of, kind of tease, I guess, the episodes that you guys already did a great job on. Yeah. So let me tease it like this. And I think your fans might head over to the podcast. Um, my career died in an ugly way. My dad died in an ugly way. I spiraled into an absolute disaster. And if it weren't for my friends and family, I would be in a casket. So that is the teaser. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty powerful episode and I enjoyed the heck out of it. I actually reached out to Tyler on message and told him how much I enjoyed it. But, you know, I think that's a part of the game that goes left unsaid is just how much of a part of you guys this is and what it's like then once, you know, once you don't have that anymore. So it's a great episode. Invite the audience to go out and check it out when, uh, when they get a chance. So, you know, with your time doing the washed up walk-ons podcast and like, you know, we, we talked about a lot earlier, one of our favorite parts about the show is how outspoken and direct and unfiltered you are. Tell us about if there's, if any, if any, um, lashback or angry fans reaching out at you venting frustrations about how you know things that you have said on the show or anything like that that it may have upset anybody yeah so when i had a twitter it was very very healthy for me and for the people around me for me to get rid of my twitter it was a great idea um it was it was pressured by kevin and tyler and i just kind of obliged one day after I got into a war with somebody and I, I was willing to go to blood and I, I took it halfway to blood, just absolutely destroying his religion uh, with a meme. Um, so it was time for me to go on Twitter. And after that point, I have never seen any backlash except for what is, what is maybe been brought up on the podcast by Tyler. Um, and like, I'm just in a really great, healthy mental place because of that, because nobody on the outside can enter my life. They have no access to me, my thoughts, my emotions, or my life. And that's a pretty healthy way for me to live personally, because if I do allow somebody to start the engine, like it's not really something that you unstop. I'm, I'm like a buzzsaw that doesn't turn off if you start so it was good for me to get out of that that sounds like a good decision and that stuff can be toxic sometimes and you just gotta turn around and walk away from it and you know it, it pulls you in and you're in too deep and you don't realize how toxic it is until you actually get out of it um yeah. go ahead jerry no and you know so oh, go ahead Twitter is the most toxic uh, place in the entire world. It is single-handedly, well, maybe not single-handedly, but very, uh, very strongly destroying the minds of everybody, uh, just putting everybody in an echo chamber, making them think that they are right, and their views are the only thing that matters. Nobody has perspective anymore. Nobody can think with an open mind. Everybody has the most fragile ego, ego of all time, cannot take any criticism. The American people are getting so pathetically weak that um, that's why I just had to completely remove myself from from even being in their environment because I simply can't take the weakness. Sure. And so moving on then, uh, Drake, who are, you know, as you guys move forward on, what's the future of the Washed Up Walk-Ons podcast? You know, who are some of your dream interviews you'd like to see on there? And, you know, what's, what do you guys got planned moving forward? I don't know if I necessarily have dream interviews. There's certain, like maybe Bob Sanders. Like I just would love to talk to Bob Sanders because we, what our podcast is, man, is a, a two times a week hangout with some best friends talking about all the things that we want to talk about and then getting the opportunity to have like real true conversations with people we've always wanted to have conversations with or rehaving like just rekindling friendships through our podcast with teammates that we unfortunately had don't get to see anymore so 
like the podcast just is an amazing way for us to stay close to each other and then we post it and people enjoy listening to our conversation and if you don't like listening to our conversation that's fine dude just leave you don't have to be so fucking mad that i cursed and i made fun of a couple people just turn it off. It doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I don't make a single dime off the podcast. And and I have the conversation that I have with my friends, just like I would have it anywhere else. And people enjoy listening to it. And when we asked this question to Tyler, he had a freaking amazing answer. And we were really excited to ask, oh, we lost him there. Want to see yeah, we'll, we'll give him a minute if he uh, wants to jump back, back on it. Yeah, I think, we could. I think he was doing it on his phone and he had a button that he might have hit accidentally. Not that anybody else has ever done that either. So, no, I know how that goes. It happens. There he is. Hold on. He's coming right back in. There he is. Boys, I don't know what just happened. My email just popped up and you guys left the screen. Well, you, so, just said, you just told us that you said if you don't like what's going on, just turn it off. We figured you just didn't like what was going on and you left. Oh, that was so. actually perfect timing. That, <laughs> damn, I shouldn't have even explained myself and I should have just let that be an awesome drop. Oh, man, that would have killed me. I'd be like, man, he went out in the coolest way ever, but that was such a such a well, put down on us. Don't, don't feel bad. I like to hang up on Adam all the time, too. So. <laughs> Uh, y'all good, were in the middle of a question though, and I'm about to go get my. I can hear you in my headphones. I'm about to go get my phone charger so it doesn't die. But ex- go to the question. Okay. All right. So the one thing we really wanted to ask you about, and we talked to Tyler about this, and he had a freaking phenomenal answer. Probably still the best one that we've had to this. But we That's were because he talks so damn much that he just <laughs> has so many words in his mouth that are already ready to be shot out. Like he has a mouth machine gun. And so of course he he said something ridiculous. <laughs> we wanted to ask you though, like more than anybody, because we we're like, okay, Drake's gonna have like the best answer. We're like one if not multiples. Like uh, whether we can't let y'all down. I know, I know, I know. Um, I hate to put you on the spot here too, but on the practice field, the weight room, locker room, anything, we know that there's some crazy wild behind the scenes things that happen that the general public, the average fan, you know, like Jerry and myself, they, you know, we don't get to witness. What's something that you kind of look back on uh, during your time now and you just think, God, that was freaking ridiculous or that was wild or I can't believe something like that happened. That was super super nuts um man i i had an answer ready for you but then you said super nuts i don't know about super nuts well just give us the answer you were thinking okay um and that might spark some other ideas too. Some guys talk about fights and practice. Tyler told us about a guy sitting in the computer lab naked, you know, doing his homework, you know, that like oh, was connected to the locker room. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Here's one that you guys will enjoy. After we beat Ohio State, I everybody stormed the field and I decided to go find my way up into the stands and just like soak up the moment because the stands were damn near empty. And I was just like, man, this is one of the coolest moments that I'll ever experience in my entire life. Like, I want to see it from every angle. And as I was exiting the stands, um, I I hopped over the fence and I saw a particularly poor soul that when making the same hop over the barrier that I just made, did it in a less graceful manner and they were laying on a stretcher with a Drake Kulik ankle. And Ooh, I just no. looked at the guy and I was like, damn, bud, have a good one. I was like, take care of yourself. And I headed up the tunnel to go celebrate. Um, that was a fun story. Uh, another fun story. Uh, when, when I maxed out, like I, I explained earlier, I, game days sometimes in the weight room i like to have a little uh smelling salts available and i had them in a dasani bottle and i had taped over the bottle so you couldn't see what was in it and i had it down by the rack and i'm about to do a a max out squad i go over sniff the bottle eyes wide open go into the squat rack do my set and as i re-rack the bar 
the coach hands me my card back, doesn't say anything, just like nods, and uh, then he goes over, picks up the bottle, smells it, looks back at me, doesn't say anything, and just like just he was just he was, couldn't believe that <laughs> I had brought smelling salt in in a design. But I don't know; those are just some fun stories. I don't. Some I don't know if I have. There's now there are wild stories that I'm not willing to share because uh, some things just need to be private. But I, I don't know. I feel like those stories were were kind of fun. What? Yeah. There's got, there's got to be a good practical joke story with Drake Kulik that can be shared because there's got to be a had to there had to have been a multitude that you could at least find one, right? Okay. Uh, this wasn't even a practical joke. It was. Kluver decided to cheat off me on a test when I studied hard as hell for it. And when we were coming back home, uh, him he was bragging to Kevin about how he cheated off me. And Kevin and I were talking about how difficult the test was, I was like, how, how hard did Kluver think he was. He's like, dude, he cheated off you. He's like, I, I walked into the house, and I just picked up a trash can and smashed him in the head with a trash can. And uh, I just left the house. That was it. Walked in, said no words, hit him in the head with a trash can and walked out. We were told that we were we should ask you, what is the most odd or interesting thing you ever wore downtown in Iowa City? Oh, that's that's a bullshit question. Somebody somebody set me up. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not saying it, it was an anonymous fan submission. We got emailed to us today, and they would. We couldn't find out who it was, but they said to ask Drake what he. What was the weirdest or wildest thing he wore in downtown Iowa City? Yeah. That, see, I just got set up. But uh, okay, so I lost my fantasy football league. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I had a ton of injuries. You guys don't need to hear the sob stories. It is what it is. I was the biggest loser, and uh, the bet was that one night when we were all going to go downtown together, um, I had to wear a kilt and a wife beater, and on the wife beater, it had to say, like, fantasy football loser, I suck at fantasy, you know, those, you know, fun stuff, and okay. we had a we had a crawfish boil uh, at Jake Gervas's house. It was kind of a, a thing where once we graduated, um, it it used to be at, at Benton Street on at my place with Ike and Bo and Josie and everybody just came over and we had a big pot and stuff. Shout out to the Paulson brothers. Um, and that night we had the crawfish boil at Gervas's, wore it over there. Um, everybody was looking at my gooch and then we went downtown <laughs> and we got it on, man. We had a good time. We got a little rowdy and I was wearing a kilt and a wife beater. I got to say, you're probably like one of the few guys that could just pull that off because you don't seem like you could give two craps. You should be like, whatever, man. Yeah, I'm wearing a kilt. What, what of it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, the bar was going to let me in because they wanted my money. Yeah. Nobody was going to fight me because I had a kilt and a wife beater on because if they had problems, then we were going to have problems. And I don't oh, yeah. have a third, but yeah, I just I did I didn't <laughs> Now, with your training and everything that you have going on right now, you uh, recently got to work out with uh, former uh, Hawkeye legend Kevin Casper. Can you tell us a little bit about how that went? Not well. Uh, you want the long story, or you? Whatever you want to tell. You know, you tell us, man. I want to eat the full thing. Casper is an anomaly of a human being. Um. That is by far the fittest person I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Uh, the way he, because I work hard, man. Like I keep myself in good shape. I train hard. I get complimented on my training, and I go to train with Kevin Casper, and I got mutilated, dude. I was bent over praying and throwing up water in his yard, and he was not even phased by the workout to the point where he just picked the phone up, started videotaping so that he could send it to coach woods and be like, look what I did to the kid. Like it was so bad. And then we kept working out, man. And that guy doesn't stop. He's a freak. And we just had a podcast with him and we released it. And it was a lot of fun. 
Oh, I, I listened to it today, and I, I got to say it was one of my favorites that you guys have done. And it's he's passed that freakishness down to his kids because I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you saw the video of his son dunking a basketball. Let hoop look like it was yeah. an eight-foot hoop the way he was pounding the hell yep. out of that thing. Yep. Oh, uh, man. I and, really hope he ends up as a hawk. That's, I mean, yeah. I, he grew up a hawk. That's all I can say. I don't know if that's going to is going to make his decision. Um I think the kid should choose exactly what's best for him and should everybody. But I know that the Hawks are in his nature, like in his DNA is Iowa. So we'll see. You know, the, uh, I mean, just to give a frame of reference though to Drake, I think it was the Sean Welsh interview also that you guys did. You were talking about the workouts you had at Iowa and, Basically, I think one of them you mentioned, you said your body just plain forgot to even throw up until 30 minutes after you were done and you'd already showered. And so, I mean, it wasn't like you haven't been through the grind before. I mean, so this workout was No, Kevin this was Casper harder than that, say. dude. This was, this Kevin Casper workout was significantly more ridiculous than any cardiovascular workout we did out of. Like, this was not a workout to make you fail your repetitions, like, from weight. This was making me fail because my body couldn't work anymore. Like, it was ridiculous, man. And this guy was laughing through it. That's how pathetic I am. Yeah, well, he, he is the freaking man. And we sure hope his son ends up at Iowa. But, Drake, man, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule out there. And I believe it, you're in Arizona, right? Yeah, man. Yep. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and, and a genuine thank you from all the Hawk fans for the hard work you put in as a Hawkeye and all the great memories you produced and all the fun and, and interesting content you guys have done on washed up walk-ons. Rock on. We appreciate the uh, support. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed our conversation, man. Any, any opportunity to talk to some genuine dudes uh, and talk a little trash. I'll take my opportunities, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. And I botched, right. I botched the hell out of a lot of this. I was so jacked to talk to you and so <laughs> fired up with some of your answers. I'm just talking over Jerry every time he's wanting to ask a question. I'm like, wait, I got something else I want to ask him. I was anybody just got like, anything else, I, I got time. So if you guys got something on your, on your chest, go ahead. Well, we may uh, we may be asking for a return visit down the road, man. Maybe I'm, I'm smelling maybe a Black Friday visit, maybe uh, oh, for the shit. Husker game. Don't have me on Black Friday. I'll be all sorts and twisted i'll be saying crazy shit you guys will get blocked <laughs> no man jerry book him let's do it right now we were going to have you on the, the week of the iowa nebraska game and we want to show you the corn belt the champion the championship trophy we're trying to get pushed the cool. thing's legit it's like an eight pound championship belt that, that we had made it's it's pretty awesome so we, we'd like to like to show it to you and, and get Absolutely. your perspective on the upcoming game but man we had a freaking blast talking to you drake thanks for taking time and go hawks man Rock on, Phil. Hawks. Hawks, Hawks by a million. Yeah. Wow. Take care.